This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison with Paul Gorst and Theo Squires, both with me for today's show. After drawing 3-3 with Benfica midweek, the big games keep on coming for Liverpool and we'll be previewing the trip to Wembley to take on Manchester City very shortly. Let's start with the Champions League, though, Gorsty. Plenty of changes Jurgen Klopp made for that game, but even though the scoreline maybe looks like it, it could have caused Liverpool a bit of trouble. It never really felt to me that Liverpool were ever really in any jeopardy. No, uh, Benfica were, were never closer than two goals away from force and extra time. So, although a 3-3 draw looks like Liverpool have been taken to the limit by Benfica, it was never really quite that way, was it? Uh, Liverpool winning 3-1 on the night and, and obviously the, the 3-1 results in Lisbon last week is what's kind of kept them in good stead. Uh, it was a strange game, wasn't it? Jürgen Klopp using a... <clears throat> well, you mentioned the changes there. He made seven in total. Probably the strongest Liverpool bench that I've, I've ever seen. I, I, I guess Virgil van Dijk, Alexander-Arnold, Salah Mane, uh, Fabinho, Andy Robertson. Uh, it was incredible. But uh, when Klopp mentioned on Tuesday that the previous game affects his team selection with regards to injuries and, and whatever else... Um, but the following game doesn't. I think when the team is named, um, I think that was a bit of a giveaway, wasn't it? He very much had one eye on on tomorrow's FA Cup semi-final. And uh, as a result of the, the changes, the back four, um, I think it might have been the first time that that back four has ever been named, actually. Joe Gomez at right back, Simakash, Canate and Matip. Uh, wasn't quite so finely tuned, was it, with regards to the offside trap? Benfica's second and third goals coming from springing out offside to happen. Um, I think how many goals did Benfica score on the night? You know, there was a four that were ruled out. The, every every five minutes, they just seemed to be sticking in the back of the net, and then an offside flag was going up, and the game was carrying on. Um, but ultimately, Liverpool uh, did the damage in Lisbon, and they uh, can now look forward to a um, semi-final with Villarreal. I think Liverpool fans would have absolutely snatched your arm off if you. Offered that to them when the draw was made in August, but now the attention turns to uh, another semi-final and this time it's the FA Cup. And as you say, the big games keep coming. You know, we're back in Premier League action next week, and it's the small matter of Everton and Manchester United. So, what a time to be covering it! What a time to be talking about it and following it and supporting it! And um, it's just an incredible period. Yeah, absolutely it is. And Theo Liverpool are, are going to need the squad. Obviously, we've referenced there the changes, a few players that came in. I wanted to to pick out Luis Diaz, who I thought was was pretty good again, particularly off the ball as well. I thought that was you know a, a real showing of what he can do, his work ethic, his pressing, I thought was, was really exceptional. Yeah, he continues to look like this player who's played for Liverpool for years and he's really settled in well. Um, they've done their homework on him and they've brought in this wonderful signing. And if Liverpool are to win the Premier League, win the Champions League, he, he has definitely given them that little boost in the arm, hasn't he, by coming in mid-season. Um, and it's quite telling that Liverpool, whilst they're still getting the results, they haven't been at their best for a number of weeks now. They are playing so many fixtures and they're so intense fixtures as well. There is maybe a bit of fatigue settling into some players, so they're having to rotate as the seven changes. But it's the player who came in mid-season who's just enjoying being a Liverpool player who's the most energetic of them all and he's outshining most of his teammates. I think Jurgen Klopp said a few times in the press conferences, even in training, he's always smiling. You can tell he's just been waiting for this big move and he's settled in brilliantly. Like, I personally, I'd start him 
tomorrow. I think he, he did well enough as a, a substitute against Man City last weekend. And as you said, he, he was lively from the start against Benfica. He's quickly becoming one of the most dangerous attackers and it's quite fitting that it's happening when Salah and Mane maybe aren't at their best as such. Um, it could be what Salah, Mane, Diaz, front three at Wembley get to our team selections at the end of this. Um, I'm still not 100% convinced about that going forward. I think there's a better combination in there somewhere, but they are still delivering. They're still getting goals. Uh, I'm sure we'll feel a little bit uh, better about it all if Salah can get back to his autumn form and match Diaz's efforts on the other flank. But when uh, Liverpool need that player to drag him through and to be this shining light, he's stepping up so far. Yeah, interesting that he played off the, the right-hand side as well. So he's played now all left, right, through the middle, starting to, to become a real Liverpool player. Alongside him, Gorsty, was Roberto Firmino. It's interesting, sort of, around his performance, his goals. Was this another reminder, you think, of the sort of useful squad role that he could still have for Liverpool? Yeah, um, I, I think even kind of, um, you know, when you, when you say squad role, I think that's got connotations of someone who, who's never really going to play that much. Um, I still think he's got every chance of, of being a regular alongside any of the other of the front five. Origi and Minamino are players who you would kind of put into that squad role um, category, but not not for me. No. I mean, I think he's done most of his best work as a substitute this season. I think if he discounts his two goals on Wednesday, I think um, aside from his hat-trick at Watford, I think every one of his goals have been off the bench this season. But he was superb on, on Wednesday night, particularly second half. Um, for the first goal, um, he, he was down. He, he was by where where we sit in the press box when he kind of got possession with his back to goal, and he was up against real pressure from one or two Benfica defenders, and he managed to wriggle clear of it. And I think he played it across to Cater and, and kept the move alive. And then <clears throat> at the end of it, he gets his it's just reward when he puts away Jota's cross. <clears throat> so I thought like that was kind of like textbook number nine type play from which um, you don't normally associate with him, but it really was a superb play and I thought he deserved that. And then the second one was a really nice finish, wasn't it? He could have had a hat-trick as well. He had a back heel that he didn't quite get right. He had another one that was blocked. So to be fair to him, he's um, he's given Jürgen Klopp some real thinking um, well, from some real food for thought in terms of his team selection because um, he was excellent. And, and I just wonder whether he might be the man to get Liverpool up the pitch a little bit of times, keep hold of it, um, nurse the ball, make sure that Liverpool aren't just giving it back to City because I thought too often that was the problem last week. You know, Liverpool had it and then I was looking down, I was tweeting about an incident or whatever and look up and City would have the ball back 30, 40 yards from goal. The ball wasn't really sticking too much up front, was it? So maybe there is something to be said for Firmino staying in the team tomorrow with um and we will come on to our team selections, but it could be um, you know, the uh, old school front three as they're collectively known. Um uh, could be a game for them, I think. And and Firmino, to be fair, has got as much chance of anyone as, as starting tomorrow. Yeah, I think I'd have, have played him last week, to be honest. But the fact that Klopp didn't maybe thinks that he won't this week. But we'll come to, to that a little bit more later on. One of the other players I wanted to, to pick out there was Costa Simicas. Obviously, we know the, the quality he's got. We know he's probably not going to play tomorrow because Andy Robertson will be back in. But again, I thought it was you know another performance from him and a performance as well where he's he's not played for a few weeks. He then comes back into the team and he's just at that level straight away. I was just waiting for you to mention him because he, he was superb, wasn't he? Uh, another couple of assists for him. 
it's a, a far cry from last year when he obviously took his time to settle into life at Liverpool. And he was being linked with a move away because he was barely playing. And it's one where he probably deserves to play more than he has been because whenever he's come in, he, he's never let Liverpool down. He's putting in great bo- efforts into the box. And he, he works so hard to win the ball back. He, often you can find him with like two, three players trying to force him off the ball, bully him, and he still finds a way to retrieve possession and wriggle through. He's just got such a great attitude and you can see he's a, he's a popular member of the squad and he's really come on flying for Liverpool this year. Um, it's an, another case of the scouting team doing the homework and getting a signing spot on. But it's one where well, Andy Robertson is the best left-back in the world or certainly one of the top three, top four. So you're never going to see more from Simicast than what you're seeing already. It's not quite the same situation on the right where they've had to loan Nico Williams out because he was never going to get past Trent. You are going to rotate your left-backs a little bit more. It's just great for Liverpool that they've got that option there. You can come in and you don't see any drop-off in terms of the attacking abilities and getting forward. Uh, you compare it to Joe Gomez at right-back. He's while he got an assist a few weeks ago, he is still a centre-back playing right-back. It doesn't come as naturally to him getting forward and being that supporting player. You just wonder how long Simicass is happy to be in this reserve role, only playing the cup games, maybe getting, what, five, ten starts in the Premier League. But then we're going to see more of him in the weeks ahead. Like, if Liverpool do the job tomorrow and they do the job against Villarreal, that's two finals they've got to look out for at the end of the season. And they're going to be playing every midweek, every weekend. Jurgen Klopp is going to have to rotate. He's going to have to give players rest so he can save them more for these big semi-finals and finals and then those must-win Premier League games. Uh, not every Premier League game at the moment is must-win, but when you're thinking of they're going to have what's Villa, Southampton, uh, Newcastle, those are the sort of games where Simicast could get a look in and add to his assist alley. But yeah, he's been a great signing so far. He's bang on form and he always seems to be on form even when he goes weeks without playing. So credit to him. Long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. A few players in that sort of category, I'd say, at the moment. Just before we move on then to, to Wembley and Manchester City, Gorsty, I wanted a, a mention for Darwin Nunez as well of Benfica. Jurgen Klopp spoke glowingly in his press conference before the game about him. And I have to say, I was really impressed having seen him in the, the flesh at Anfield. I thought he was was really, really top draw. Yeah, he, he had a couple of good games, didn't he? He took the, uh, the first one really well when he was obviously offside as uh, most of them were on Wednesday night, and he just chipped Allison. That was a, that was a lovely finish. He took his other one at the very end, well, virtually the last kick of the game, wasn't it? Another one that was offside. And his, uh, his volley uh, at 3-3 was, was really well struck. But it's funny, though, talking about Darwin Nunes, he seems to be earning rave reviews at the moment. I was speaking to someone kind of within Liverpool's recruitment department quite recently. Um, we were talking about you know the, the upcoming game against Benfica, and just, you know, some of their players and we spoke about Darwin Nunes and and he said to me, um, he's a good player, but um I, I, we don't think he's gonna go, you know, I, we we think he'd, he'd suit someone like West Ham. We don't think he's gonna gonna be a player who's gonna be playing for a Manchester City or a Liverpool or, or a Chelsea. And then later that day I saw um Manchester United linked with a sixty, seventy million move for him and I just I thought maybe that's where United have been going wrong for a good few years now, kind of chasing the uh, the latest hot name who, who seems to come up. But look, from what I've seen of him, he looks like he's he's, he's a player certainly, um, old old school, you know, traditional number nine, but is very mobile as well. So he seems to have a little bit of everything. Um, I can only speak for the two games that I've seen him in, really, but 
if someone's looking for a you know an Erling Haaland light alternative that might cost you 20 30 million euros less then I'd suggest he might be someone that you'd look at but um yeah it was it was just interesting here and you know the people who get paid to to do the uh, to, to to pick out the best players uh, what they thought of him as opposed to uh, us mere mortals the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo Yeah, absolutely. 31 goals this season. He certainly impressed me, if not Liverpool. But let's move on to the weekend then. The three of us will all be making the trip down to Wembley to see the Reds take on Manchester City. Gorsdiel, come back to you on this one. I think the, the lights may have just gone out on Theo there, so I definitely will come back to you on this one. How how different do you think this game will be to last week's at the Etihad? It's, it's a fascinating dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, I, I suppose the the big thing would be if City don't have Kevin De Bruyne fit, and and I think Kyle Walker's out as well. That that is a massive blow for City, particularly De Bruyne because he's, you know, he's up there with Salah as, as the best player in the Premier League for me. Completely different type of player, but just has absolutely everything that you'd want from an attacking midfielder, doesn't he? And he and he's hit Liverpool a few times already this season. So if he's not there, great. Um, if Kyle Walker's not there either, then you know, great as well. But I think I think the big thing is Liverpool are probably due a performance against Manchester City. I think if you look at the 180 minutes across the Premier League game, City have probably been the better team for 120, 130 minutes of those two games. Liverpool kind of doing their damage in bursts as opposed to City kind of swarming Liverpool and, and being dominant for large parts of it. So I think Liverpool at some point are going to have to, to show up and 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 um, show City what they're all about. Um, the fact that they haven't lost to them this season probably shows why Guardiola can't stand them and why he calls them a pain in the backside. Just because he, he just can't quite shake them off, no matter how dominant City are, and and that that kind of is mirrored in the league as well. When you think they were 11, 12, 13 points clear at various points, and Liverpool are still clinging on for dear life, aren't they? So uh, I think it might might be a different game given that City were taken to the very last kick of the game against Atletico Madrid on Wednesday when the uh, Liverpool made seven subs and were never really in too much danger of of that turning into uh, to anything worse than a cosmetic draw on the night. So I think it it should be a different game. I think Liverpool should have the impetus to, to go there and um, put down a marker, particularly in, in a neutral venue. Um, but it's going to be another fascinating one, isn't it? I just hope that uh, Liverpool can sort of um, exert their own game plan a lot more than, than they were able to last week at the Etihad, although they did play well for 15, 20 minutes after the, you know, the restart. Yeah, it seemed a little bit last week, Theo, like Liverpool were almost a little bit nervous. They, they seemed to, to play the, the occasion rather than the game. But you'd imagine a week on, they've had the kind of trial run almost as, as much as it was kind of billed as, as a title decider and you don't want to play that side of it down but you know what I mean they've they've kind of been there and and done that so soon you, you wouldn't imagine that that's going to be a problem this time around you've got to remember as much as last week felt like a must get win game it was also you can't lose game like a draw was a good enough result to keep Liverpool in the title race but there will be a winner tomorrow even if it's extra time penalties it means teams can go for it that little bit more they don't need to be cautious because yeah, it's going to be a pain if you lose an FA Cup semi-final, but it's not going to be as devastating as if Liverpool had lost last weekend, having closed the gap to one point and just basically fallen apart in the Premier League title race when it could have been a chance to swing it completely in their direction. Um, Liverpool have had that almost dress rehearsal 
And you'd like to think that'll put them in good stead. They'll know what to expect. And it's also been a week for a few of these players, the ones who played in the week and the ones who uh, didn't to stake their claim. Like It would be a surprise if the same start in 11 that played last weekend started this one. I think a couple of players in midweek did enough to get the nods. We'll get to that later as, well, as we keep saying. But Liverpool, when you think they're going to have all their fans going to Wembley, it's going to be a great atmosphere for them. Another uh, brilliant trip to the capital, even if the travel arrangements are a bit more awkward this time around. It's going to be a good day out for them, a bank holiday weekend. You'd like to think it'll go a bit better for them. As Gorsty says, they certainly owe Man City one. can't imagine they've really had a good performance against City since the 3-1 in, in the title winning year. Obviously, a uh, hangover effect from winning the title and then injuries have derailed their efforts there. But we'll talk about their squad. It, it's numbers-wise stronger than Man City is now. Like the fact that they could make seven changes midweek and the bench is stronger. They just need to prove this now. They've started to change that narrative. They need a performance to really go and deliver on it. What's telling is um, when everyone's fit for Liverpool, senior players that played this year, I think they're leaving four senior players out, aren't they, every week. Even if Man City had everyone fit senior-wise, they'd still have to have one or two kids on the bench. Now you've got De Bruyne potentially out, Walker potentially out. Diaz is back, but that's still two or three kids they've got to have on the bench. I think they had two on there last week. Um, they don't quite have the depth there that Liverpool do, that Liverpool can make seven changes, that they can go, that midfield didn't work. Oh, we've got another six options to choose from here. That front three, we've got another five options to choose from here. Now they just need to go and deliver on it. They need to go and prove it. And what better occasion than a, a Wembley semi-final against Man City? Uh, we talk about this quadruple for Liverpool. Don't forget that City could still go for a treble. So there is quite a bit riding on it, even if it is the bottom priority for both clubs at the moment. But having had that dresser arsenal and everything that's gone that season, you'd like to think Liverpool can learn from the experiences and really put in a, a good performance against Man City and give them a bit of a blow heading towards these final weeks of the season's title race is out of their hands now. City needs to drop points. So it, it could help them along the lines there as well if they can stake this claim at Wembley. One of the, the narratives last week, Gorsty, was around the, the high line, and it's it's something we've spoken about a few times with Liverpool this season. Some yeah. suggestion that they were almost a bit naive to do it against Manchester City, but it, it just seems bizarre that we're, we're still talking about this. We spoke about it in sort of October, November time, whenever the, the Brentford game was and, and things like that. And I mean, A, Liverpool didn't lose last week, and B, the high line is something they do every week. You can't just not do it against Manchester yeah. City. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it's not negotiable. It's it's how Liverpool defend. It's how they play. It's the reason, one of the key reasons that why they've been so successful, particularly, you know, in the last few months, and they, they barely conceded that they, apart from um, against City and, and Chelsea, I think Norwich possibly the only other team to have breached Liverpool. Crystal Palace, I think that might be it. Um, and Norwich's goal was a. Huge slice of luck, wasn't it, with a deflection? Um, yeah, I mean, it, as you say, it, it is a bit daft. That the, it's still being questioned. Um, and do you know what? I think it is. I think it's because the manner of the chances that a high line gives up. So it's a runner from midfield who has acres and acres of space in behind them to run into. Um, when you're watching football, I, I think maybe subconsciously that that, that gives you more of a more time to, to form in your in your mind that this is a chance, that this is what a big chance looks like. It's, you know, player clean through, the, the defenders are 10, 15 yards behind him because he's sprung the offside. So he's one-on-one with the keeper. He's got time to 
pick a pick a corner, pick, pick a finish. And I think that's just subconsciously makes people think that that is that is what a big chance looks like. So when when you see Liverpool giving those away, you think, oh, well, they're not defending too well here, are they? And I think that's that's the only defence that I can offer people who still criticise this high line because the proof's in the pudding with the, the the small amount of goals that Liverpool concede and the fact that they, they've caught te- teams offside more than any other in the Premier League by some incredible distance. I wrote about it a few weeks ago and, and <clears throat> it was at least 40, 35 to 40 times more than the next on that list, which was City, and, and that was a few weeks ago, so it's probably only increased since then. So... It's how Liverpool defend, and, and when Liverpool defend with their first choice back five, Allison and goal as the sweeper, Trent, Andy Robertson, um, Van Dijk and Matter, but it works. So I'm not I'm not worried about it at all. And it would be counterproductive to try and change it for the city game because it's drilled into them over months, over years of, of training, and you know they did it in pre-season and they've been doing it for years. So if you try and tweak it for one particular game in a week when you've got maybe one or two proper training sessions, <clears throat> you could quite easily come unstuck on the day. So it's best just to stick with what you know, what has worked, what is has is proven to have worked, um, and just sometimes you have to accept that you're coming up against <clears throat> the other team who are incredible as well. So um, look, they're not, not going to be changing it for, for specific one-off games. It will stick, it will stay, and uh, we'll see if it's good enough tomorrow. Yeah, and of course, if you drop 10, 15 yards, Manchester City is still more than good enough to find yeah. a goal or two against you, regardless. So it's, and then uh, you can't get out. Yeah, exactly. It, it's uh, it's a bit of a, a strange conversation around that. I'm sure it's not the last time we will discuss that. I'm sure it will get a mention at some point this weekend. The other thing I wanted to, to mention, Theo, was that the midfield didn't quite work last week. Was that just they didn't play well? Fabinho in particular seemed to, to have an off night. Would you change it up at all this week? Or was it just a case of that it didn't quite work last week, but it won't be the same this? Um, it's the pressure on Fabinho's shoulders, isn't it? When Fabinho doesn't play well, midfield doesn't play well I think there's been a few times when he's not been at his best and those have been the weaker Liverpool performances but then Jordan Henderson's had an up and down season too like he was in great form before Christmas brilliant at Goodison for example then his form dropped off I think he picked it up a bit recently but now he's going through like some games he's great some games he's not um, it's going to take its toll this season. The amount of games they're playing, high intense games, and he has played more times than anyone else this season for Liverpool. And compare that to other seasons where he's had injuries, so he's not even come close to this appearance total. Um, whenever you speak to people about Jordan Henderson, um, the ones who like to see his fitness test, he's one of the fittest players in that Liverpool squad, and that's why he can play so many games. But yeah, for whatever reason, it didn't. You didn't click it at, at Man City last weekend. Um, you'd certainly hope that Fabinho is going to play a hell of a lot better this week. And then that's the starting point for Liverpool. If you've got that spine of Fabinho, Van Dijk, Alisson, Liverpool can win any game. That That is unbreakable as long as they're on form. He's not going to play as bad. And then you see the players that dropped out midweek. Well, you can take who's going to start from that really, can't you? Like Fabinho will start. You'd imagine Thiago will start. And then it's just a call between Henderson, Naby Keita, there's an argument to try something different, but then it would be a big call to drop your captain for this one as well. And it'd be an even bigger call if you went for a curveball like Harvey Elliott, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Curtis Jones, or James Milner. 
uh, there are options there. That's why Liverpool have got this strong squad now. But we're in this part of the season where you tend to see them stick to the tried and trusted, your first choice players to get that rhythm going. Um, but then who knows what, what Klopp's feeling about uh, Jordan Henderson. They'll have their training sessions. He'll make his decision based on who's looking fittest, who's looking fretish, fresh and those and make a decision. Uh, Jordan Henderson's the captain. It would be surprised to see him benched. But there are options there if it's something he wants to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Five substitutions available as well. So plenty of options to call on from the bench. Just before we finish then, let's go through our entire 11s. Alisson will be in goal, Gorsties. The only real choice in the back four, Matip or Konate, or is it just the back four for you? Yeah, I mean, that, that that's always the, the, the one selection dilemma, isn't it? I think Konate's had a really good, quietly understated season at Liverpool. It's settled into a completely new way of defending well, hasn't he? But uh, if Matip is fit, <clears throat> I'm, I'm picking Matip. So uh, Matip van Dijk, Robertson and Trent come back into the uh, back four. Yep, same for me. I think we might see Ibrahim Akamate against Manchester United on Tuesday. <laughs> Theo, Matip for you in this one? Yeah, I agree with that one. Um, it's, when you think about the high line and the fact that City were able to get past it, for Liverpool to have a chance, even though it was the same back five that started last week, they need that play, the players that are used to it more to have their best chance. And John Matic played well at the Etihad. He was getting on the end of everything. And while there was a lot of talk at the time about Mares missing that last chance, if you look it back, it was a stunning block from Matip to deflect it over the crossbar. It's going to be that tried and trusted back five, isn't it? And as you say, Canate against United, he did the job there at the 5-0. So hopefully we'll see a 5-0 at Anfield and he's a good luck charm. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Let's move into the midfield then, Gorsty. It's uh, a Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago trio for me. Is anything different for you? I'm leaning towards that, yeah, but <clears throat> I'm, I'm just, I don't know whether there's a case to be made for Cater over Henderson just because I think in the heat of battle against Manchester City, I just think Cater might um, look after the ball a little bit better. Henderson at times was getting a little bit. Um, a little bit anxious, a little bit too willing to to knock it to you know forward to anyone at times, and um, was just handing possession back to City at times. But I think for, for the solidity that he offers, he, he's certainly a, a more robust midfielder than than Cater. So I think Henderson just about gets the nod over Cater. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thiago can make it through the warm up at Wembley this time as well. Theo, midfield for you. Yeah, like, like I was just saying, it's a hard one. Like the two players who were on the bench in midweek are going to start, Fabinho and Thiago. Personally, I'd like to see them go for a different trio than last week. I think Cater, when it's in this knockout football, you want to be more offensive, and that could lean towards Cater. But at the same time, I'd be surprised if they didn't start Henderson. So I'd imagine Henderson will start, but I'd like to see it Cater. So for selection purposes, I'm going to go Cater. Interesting. Let's move into the forward line then, Gorsty. Probably the uh, the most interesting of, of the sections, really. There's obviously five options to pick from. Which three yeah. are you going to go with? I'm, I'm going to go with old school. Uh, Firmino down the middle, Mane on the left and Salah on the right. Um, I, th- I just think Firmino did you know, so well in the second half last, uh, well, in the last game, I just think um, you've got to reward performances like that at times and show that, you know, if you if you do play well, then then you will be starting. As much as um, it's difficult to leave out Jota down the middle just because he likes big, important goals, doesn't he? Um, but as you say, with the subs, if Liverpool are in need of something, 
he's definitely someone who can change the game and uh, so is Luis Diaz off the bench as well. So, yeah, I'm going old school for this one. Yeah, I'm with you, actually. I think what Jurgen Klopp might do is Diogo Jota because he was the, the first one off, wasn't he, midweek? But certainly be interesting. Theo, which three are you going to go with? I'm going Salamone and Diaz. Uh, it's the trio that was so brilliant at Wembley for the League Cup final. Uh, I think you do need something a little bit different. Um, Jota has started these last two games. and I, Like I said on the podcast last week, I prefer him to be the goal scorer off the bench if Liverpool need this goal. Um I can see the argument for Mino starting, but I can't look away from Diaz. He's just so excited at the moment. He's like gamer and he's like something a bit different. And he did work really well against Chelsea at Wembley last time. So hopefully that's a bit of confidence going back to it. And then like the Salah and Marnes, it's the same as the midfield. They're benched midweek. They're going to start this one. But whoever starts, it's going to be an exciting trio. You'd back them to get the job done. That's what the Jurgen Club has done by getting this squad depth in. Got so many good attacking players. Yeah, absolutely. Lewis Diaz off the bench last week as well against City looked pretty decent as well against them. Let's go for our match predictions then. Obviously got to be a winner in some way, shape or form in this one. I'm going to go 2-1 to Liverpool, I think. Very, very tight though, I think, Gorsty. How do you reckon it might be? I think we're looking at penalties. And then it's it's hot luck, isn't it? But Liverpool have got a good record in shootouts this season, haven't they? Leicester and, and obviously the final. Um yeah, I'll go with Liverpool on pens. Interesting. Theo, can we get it done before then, or penalties as well for you? Extra time for me. Uh, it's penalties against Chelsea, but Chelsea are so good defensively with that impeccable defence and goalkeeper. City are more attacking. So I reckon we've had two all twice in the Premier League. Let's go 3-2 Liverpool extra time. Oof, an enthralling game. That would certainly set a few pulses racing, I'm sure. But that will just about do us then for this podcast. Plenty of stuff to come across all of the usual channels before and after the game. We also, of course, want to mention that our thoughts, as ever, but not least on the 33rd anniversary, are with those affected by the tragedy at Hillsborough. They'll never be forgotten. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.